and welcome to the Bucket Problem, episode 17. I guess I am still counting. We are brought to you, as always, by Homefield Apparel. I'll get it out of the way right now. Use promo code BUCKETPROBLEM for 15% off your for- first order at homefieldapparel.com. We are coming to you a day late because uh, I think we were all hit with some life stuff. I've had some ridiculous allergies uh, that uh, have put me on uh, a wonderful round of prednisone, among other things. So uh, I am currently uh, broadcasting while laying down in bed because uh, I feel like I'm about to jump out of my skin. But uh, um, steroids are good sometimes, but uh, sometimes they're uh, deeply uncomfortable. Um Michigan is coming off a 32-29 to win over Nebraska that, let me tell you, the experience was not improved by being on a stressful amount of steroids. Um, but uh, a huge uh, forced fumble by Brad Hawkins, ripping it away from uh, Adrian Martinez, uh, sets up some Jake Moody heroics. Uh, Michigan gets a big stop. Dax Hill does a little bit of taunting, and uh, we have a lot of fun. Um, it, uh, it's a road win and I'm going, going to go ahead and repeat that it's a road win and Michigan is six and zero. And, uh, sometimes I think we need to take a, take a moment and, uh, breathe that in. Uh, I'm joined today, uh, by Connor Southard and Dan, AKA Thick Stauskas. Alex Cook is not with us on this, but he did write, uh, a little piece from, uh, he actually went to this game and, uh, he wrote down his big mood, uh, and I'm going to read that off before we get to the rest of ours because it's uh, it's quite lovely and maybe not what you'd expect. Can you do an Alex impression while you're reading it? Like, uh, uh, just <laughs> never mind. Sorry, that would that would be rude. Oh, I, I, are, I, I already have <laughs> I enough of a Michigan well. accent. I, I don't I don't want to like hurt anybody's ears here. Uh, after traveling to Nebraska, I have to admit that they won me over. Everyone was so so nice, starting with the old ladies at the Ruby Tuesday across the street from the hotel and ending with the dude yelling, Fuck Michigan, at the late-night calzone place. Even after a nut punch of a game, everybody was super gracious. In terms of spectacle, I put it, I put it right up there with a night game at Penn State, if maybe a little less imposing. The fans were great. 10 out of 10. Please beat Ohio State soon, Huskers. That was from Alex. Um, and, uh... I will say that uh, I'm impressed by Alex's ability to still hit them with a, a couple backhanded compliments uh, while giving them their fans a 10 out of 10. Um, but, you know, um, it's important to remember, uh, Nebraska beat writers and super online Nebraska fans, not representative of the entire fan base. You don't want those Michigan people, um, maybe like us, um, but maybe not like us, to necessarily be representative of our fan base either. Um, so um, that was Alex's big mood. Uh, next up, let's go ahead and kick it to, to Connor. Connor, what was your, uh, big mood coming out of that game? I'm keeping it simple. Uh, I think that even the most optimistic among us were a little bit worried, uh, when Michigan's run game was less effective against Rutgers in Wisconsin for two weeks in a row, uh, that maybe we overrated our run game in general, or even overrated our two star running backs, Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum. I can assure you after this Nebraska game that Haskins and Corum are still very much those dudes <laughs> and make it even better as the season goes on. And I think anyone that watched this game 
everyone remembers the Haskins hurdle if you watched it or watched highlights. Um, I'm going to be rewatching that play for many years to come. And then Corum had that really nice touchdown run uh, in a key moment uh, towards the end of the game. But more importantly, those guys are back to averaging, you know, six plus yards of carry in this game. Um, just an elite performance. And I really think that Nebraska's defense is probably a little bit worse than Wisconsin's, but not that much worse. And they, and, the, and their defense made a lot of impact plays in this game. Um and I think that, that this is really huge for the rest of the season. I think that, you know, if Michigan, this wasn't quite a paving, but it was a very, very good running performance. And I think if Michigan can do that, um, that raises their ceiling a little bit for the rest of Big Ten play. So never fear, those guys are as good as we thought. Yeah, uh, Haskins being able to jump over a guy and maintain pretty much full speed and not get tackled right away was one of the more impressive things I've seen in a while. Because usually... Most of those hurdles, like, the play ends shortly thereafter because the cavalry tends to arrive because you just jumped over a guy, and that really stops your momentum. But Haskins it did it like a hurdler, basically. It was it was absurd. And Corum, meanwhile, so Haskins ends up with uh, 123 yards and two touchdowns on 21 carries. Uh, Corum, 89 yards and a score on 13 carries. Notably, neither of them were uh, tackled for loss uh, in the game. Uh, Corum also uh, had five catches for 37 yards. 30 of those uh, came after the catch. Uh, he's fun. Um, Dan, what was your uh, your big mood coming out of this one? Yeah, my big mood was having fun watching football. Um, <laughs> and in like a, you know, I feel like the as a Michigan fan, I've talked about this before, how we kind of exist in this special hell because, like, you know, 80% of the games are just, you know, maybe fun for us because it's their big wins, but just not necessarily like suspenseful football. Um, and then the other, you know, 20% tend to be like close losses or blowouts to teams that are better than us, um, which, you know, sucks. Uh, so we never really get to like enjoy a fun game of football. Um, and I was really thinking back to when's the last time that Michigan played a close game that wasn't extremely ugly um, that also uh, was, I guess, like supposed to be a close game going in. You know, like we've had some games against Indiana, and <laughs> those aren't really those aren't really fun because it's kind of like, oh crap, are we about to lose to Indiana type thing? You know, um, imagine losing and, to Indiana. Nothing could be worse than that. Nothing could be worse than that. <laughs> Thankfully, truly. it's never happened. I'm not even, but I'm not even talking about the good Indiana that. teams. I'm talking about like the, you know, back when it was like Indiana was chaos team and it was like still embarrassing to lose to them. Um, it's a little bit more acceptable now, but I digress. Um, so I was really thinking back to like when the last time that happened was where, and we came out on the, on the, the good, on, on the correct side of a close, fun football game. And I think it like might be like one of the Notre Dame games, like under Brady Hoke. It's really there aren't many of them when you were like Wisconsin twenty sixteen was close and and like fun for Michigan fans, but probably not if you're like, you know, an outside viewer. Um pretty low. And then there are a handful Yeah, and then there were a handful of games that were probably close and fun if you're not a Michigan fan, but you know, no fun if if you are a Michigan fan. So I don't know. It was just fun to, you know, I I think at at certain points during this game, um, you know, I, I felt like I was uh, 
I, for weirdly was not that stressed, um, even though it was, you know, very close. I was kind of just enjoying watching football. Um, of course, I was stressed, you know, at the end. But, like, at certain points in the in the second half, I was like, man, this is cool to, like, watch teams go back and forth. And it's cool to feel like you have, like, an actual offense that can, you know, score actual points and, and be fun to watch, you know. So, um, yeah, it was, it was it was a fun weekend. Yeah, I mean, if there's – if there's such a thing as good stress, it it, it this was kind of it. It felt to me like because that that was like kind of gradually sinking myself into like okay, this is going to be a close game, and like it it was a fun game. It was an exciting game. It was cool to see that atmosphere because it definitely popped on television. Um, the Nebraska crowd showed out for a team that uh you know you wouldn't necessarily expect a, a place to. Not every place would show up like that uh, for a team that has performed like Nebraska has so far this year. Um, and uh, as a as a prize, they got uh, kicked in the soul dong. So that that was nice. Um, but um, for me, uh, my big mood was that it was very helpful to have an eye on the uh, Alabama-Texas A&M score while watching this game because that really uh, – kind of put me in a different mindset because uh if you've had your uh head under a rock or at least uh have not been paying at all attention to the college sports world outside of Michigan uh Texas A&M beat Alabama 41 to 38 on Saturday night um they had previously uh lost to Mississippi State and Arkansas in uh each of their last two games and uh had beaten a absolutely woeful Colorado team 10 to seven in week two. Um, their other games were against Kent state and New Mexico. There was absolutely no sign that Texas A&M would even be competitive in this game. In fact, it kind of was thought that since, uh, Jimbo Fisher had been, uh, sort of talking a little bit of shit before the season about, uh, trying to take a crack at Alabama, that Alabama would, uh, take great pleasure in waxing them. And, that did not happen. Uh, so, yes, uh, Michigan ended up needing to kind of pull one out of their ass against Nebraska a little bit. But uh, you're going to have to pull one out at some point, even if you're one of the best teams in the country. And I think we're increasingly seeing evidence that Michigan at least has a very good chance to be uh, playing for some very big things uh, towards the end of the season. And they just got past a pretty major hurdle to doing so which is going on the road uh against a team that was absolutely due for a freaking break and uh this team kind of created their own uh i mean i wrote about it in the newsletter how aggressively this team went after forcing turnovers uh including uh brad hawkins on that uh late strip of martinez where uh he knew that he's getting grabbed so at that point he's just going 100% for ripping the ball out. And that's a, a, a little bit different of a way than Michigan has played recently. And I, I think that attitude kind of permeates to the team. Um, I also had a bonus big mood, which was that uh, uh, Jake Moody, um, first of all, I love the way he has a, a little golf draw on his kicks. It is, um, I don't know how you do that, uh, but yeah, kickers... I mean, they basically coach themselves. He, he's he got this natural draw to his kicks. And the first couple times seeing it was a little scary because it looks like it's heading towards the post. And then all of a sudden it's going right through the middle. Um, but now that you know what it's doing, it's like it's it's really lovely to see it just go up and be like, I know that's going in. Um, 
And it was also awesome to see him just absolutely rip some smelling salts <laughs> right before he booted the game-winning kick. Um, that's, as far as I know, not normally a kicker thing. Um, <laughs> usually like a lineman thing or like a, a corner of a boxing match, maybe. Uh, but yeah, um, that's our kicker. He rips smelling salts and then kicks field goals. Uh, and they have a draw on them somehow. And they go in at a uh, very pleasing rate. And we hope that continues. For those of you that don't know, uh, smelling salts are legal sports cocaine, uh, basically. <laughs> um, it's more or less what they are. You're, it's a, they're they're legal for some reason. You can just <laughs> you can just do them whenever you want. Um, you can buy them on Amazon, which uh, me and my college college buddies found out in in college that you can just buy <laughs> smelling salts in in, in mass. I'm on sure Amazon. you did nothing with this information, right? <laughs> no, of course. Yeah, it was just like wow, cool. Um, <laughs> they're also uh, like smelling salts are like like a you know 1890s like novel thing to be doing which is why it's perfect for michigan football and jim harbaugh right they're gonna put their varsity sweater on and take some smelling salts <laughs> before he uh, uh does the demonte thomas uh lift your cup to relieve the cramp thing um yeah <laughs> dr harbaugh out here um but uh anyway so yeah, I also just want to say that I, I did call out before the season Jake Moody being um, a pretty excellent college kicker, and uh, I'm sure that I'm jinxing it by saying it now, so, you know, knock on wood, but um, he's he's been excellent this year, only missing one field goal, which, I mean, that's just about as good, like, to even even though I don't think he's hit, he hit one long one, um, the rest have been mostly inside of 40, but to consistently hit at, like, a 90% rate within 40 yards is, like, the best you can ask for from a college kicker, so um, shout out Jake Moody. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know if, if you were watching the NFL this last weekend, uh, it's not just college kickers that are a little unreliable. So that was that's been um, wonderful to have because that that has not always been the case for Michigan to have a uh, or any program. There's not a program in the country that has always had a steady kicker. It'd be cool if all of uh, all of our um, specialists got drafted again this year, so we can like juice those uh, those <laughs> NFL draft numbers again, like. Like when we had Cheeseman get drafted as his long snapper last year, and it was like uh, Michigan had 15, and it was like uh, three of them were like a fullback, a long snapper, and a kicker. And they, it's they, like, they yeah. all count. They all count. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and I mean, Brad Robbins is booting the hell out of the ball right now. I have yeah, it written exactly. down as something to talk about later, but like, I mean, he had one of this game that took like a hard right turn, but he planted it at the 10. Um, and he's been. I'm not going to look up punting stats because that, that requires, I don't know, too much effort mid-podcast, but punting stats are kind of not that useful anyway unless you can see the return averages. But Michigan is, is holding down returns and uh, doing really well in net, and a lot of that is because Robbins is hanging them high and putting them in places where um, either the coverage is going to be because Michigan has uh, directed it that way or just – pinning it deep or put it, I mean, putting it on the sideline places where it's, it's tough for the returner to do much with it. Um, so for a team that definitely plays the field goal, uh, the field position game a little bit and is probably going to be in some close games from here on out. Uh, there is a lot of comfort, uh, in having two really good specialists. And speaking of comfort, um, our sponsor as always is home field apparel, uh, which is your home for the, uh, softest, licensed college apparel out there uh they have two new schools dropping this week uh you have got boston college on the 16th and bees georgia tech 
on the 18th. Uh, I am excited in particular for that second drop. Uh, so as always, please use promo code BUCKETPROBLEM for 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. More takes before we get to our weekly picks. First, I guess we should talk quarterbacks. Uh, this was a game where uh, you saw plenty of J.J. McCarthy uh, in the running game. Uh, two um, very successful uh, quarterback keepers. One extremely not successful keeper late uh, to uh, quote-unquote set up uh, the Moody field goal. Um, and over for 1 as a passer for McCarthy. Um, didn't really see him. Uh, he wasn't really asked to do much there. Um, meanwhile, Kate McNamara uh, goes 22 for 38 for 255 yards. Is a little wild with the deep ball. Uh, does connect on a 48-yarder to Mike Sandra still, but Sandra still has to lay out to get it, which ultimately cost Michigan uh, four points, or sorry, seven points, uh, because of some uh, un- unfortunate happenings at the goal line. We'll go with that. Um, he also throws his uh, his first interception of his career. Uh, it took him a long time to get there, but uh, this was a pretty bad one, unfortunately. Um, I still feel relatively comfortable with the way they're doing things. So I, I, I don't think, um, this is, a, I certainly don't think this is a situation where like, um, as some people have suggested, um, McCarthy could be groomed as being this, to be the starter coming out of this bye week. I, I, I think McNamara has done more than enough, uh, to show that he's got a, a good command of the offense and that it could run quite well with him as the starter. Yeah, I mean, I think like the thing that has stood out to me a lot this year, and, and we kind of we say this every so often, but it's just like for we talk a lot about like style, stylistic offense. We talk a lot about getting into the nuts and bolts, and we try as fans with limited information to, you know, try to investigate like how would we improve the offense? What's going wrong with the offense? What are the weak points? Um, often in college, the answer is just well, the players fail to make the play they're supposed to make, but like. I think the big picture here is that um, there is an interesting debate to be had about like the future of the quarterback position at Michigan, but there is a really profound difference this year um, versus almost any Harbaugh team I've seen in this team's ability to just in the midst of drives, get to the line of scrimmage with tempo if necessary, get the plays off that they want to actually run, not miss any assignments, execute everything crisply. And look like they actually got their their offense fully implemented before the start of the season, which <laughs> I've seen a lot of Harbaugh teams uh, not look like that. Um, and all of that sounds really can sound really trivial, but I think quarterback is is really the, probably the most important player uh, in making all that happen. The center is probably number two. Um, we have like a sixth year center, and we have a fairly experienced quarterback though he has freshman eligibility. Hilariously, um, <laughs> and I I just think that like for me the upshot of this offense is. Yeah, we can talk to Blue in the face about whether split zone should be our base run play or whether this should be more of a spread or whatever we want. But I think that like what you I think that like Wisconsin, good Wisconsin teams are testament to this, right? Like what you run uh, often matters a lot less than how crisply you run it. And that starts with the level of preparation. Um, and it starts with the, the the person that's in charge of captaining the whole operation, which is the quarterback. And I think that's where Cade McNamara has been really exceptional this year. Yeah, um, I just don't know what else there is to say about the quarterback situation. You know, I'm of the mind that um, J.J. McCarthy will... I know I took the over on, you know, 
uh, one game started uh, by J.J. McCarthy. So I'm still going to kind of stick by that. But, you know, I, it's more of like speculative. I just kind of think it might happen. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, it's probably either at the end of this year or sometime next year, J.J. McCarthy is going to be that guy. They wouldn't be getting him reps if that wasn't the case. It seems like he's, you know, a real leader. He's got all the talent. Like once he really picks things up, uh, in terms of like you know the the down to down stuff that McCarthy does so or that McNamara does so well right now, yeah, that's probably your guy. And then and there's probably nothing that McNamara can really do to stop it because you know he he seems like he's so McCarthy seems like he's so talented. But you know I just there's nothing really else to say at this point though because I think as long as McNamara keeps being the guy that puts this offense in good situations, doesn't turn the ball over, gets them to line, checks the right play, makes the right read the right pre-snap read most of the time, it's going to continue to be McNamara. Um, and, you know, I think that I think that he's getting a lot of, you know, a lot. We, we spent a lot of time in the offseason saying, you know, hey, Michigan's got so many weapons that if they could just get average quarterback play, this could be a good offense. And that's basically what we're getting right now. You know, I mean, we, we can't go back on that, right? I mean, like, they've got a lot of weapons that are really showing up, a lot of receivers coming through. Um, tight ends are playing great football. Offensive lines playing really well. The running backs are amazing. You know, they've got all that going for them right now. And McNamara is very much just, you know, distributing the ball and, and, and getting them in the right plays and like being a pretty average quarterback. Um, now, that doesn't mean that we can't criticize and say like, hey, you know, he missed some throws. And I think, you know, his 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 uh, game against Nebraska, I think, was... Um, little give, little take. I think that the receivers could have made better plays in some instances, but there were definitely also some instances where he could have made better throws, especially mm-hmm. down the field. Um, and the the, the 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 pick was pretty bad and pretty much all on him. So, you know, there's it's not to say that you can't criticize him. I'm not saying he's doing a, a fantastic job. I'm not even saying that he's an all-Big Ten player although he honestly given the the state of the quarterbacks in the big 10 he might get an honorable mention but i mean he's very much like you could do a lot worse and i know because i watch a lot of college football and i know that like the level of competency competency that he shows basically makes him like a top you know 20th percentile quarterback in uh, college football because there are not many competent quarterbacks and michigan fans know that all too well and i think that you know look if J.J. McCarthy uh, comes out to start in the Northwestern game, I think that can only be good news because it means he's past McNamara. But I don't think Michigan fans should take Cade McNamara for granted, no. um, especially considering the quarterbacks that we've had. You know, I mean, yeah. I don't know where I, – I, I tweeted about how he's – I'm sorry, I'm going to, I know I'm going a little bit long here, but I, I tweeted about how, like, he's the first consistently decent quarterback that Michigan's had um, under Harbaugh or, you know, for in, in at least a while. And – I got to say, I got some pushback on that. And I feel like people are just misremembering like quarterbacks under Harbaugh that somehow, you know, Jake Rudock and Wilton Spate were these killers. like 100% <laughs> of their careers. And that's just not true. I mean, I like both those guys. I love Rudock. He was great. Um, he, But like they could have won the Michigan State game in 2015 a lot, like probably handily if Rudock is like plays a better game. He was bad outright until like later in the season. Wilton Spate had like a couple games where he was good and otherwise he was just totally mediocre. Um, and, you know, Shea Patterson was uh, looked like he was maybe going to break that stretch and he was certainly good in the run game. But then all of a sudden was like, I mean, you want to talk drags on an offense. Like he was the only reason that 2019 offense was not, you know, good for most of the season. So, you know, that's, that's me going long here, but it's like, I just, 
I find a, it's a little bit frustrating to me that people are just taking for granted competent quarterback play. <laughs> yeah, to your point there, um, Cade McNamara is currently averaging 8.2 yards an attempt. Um, the last Michigan starting quarterback to hit that mark was uh, Devin Gardner in 2013. And while he was at 8.6, he did that with 11 picks on the on the season. And... Um, I mean, I think also uh, we don't remember. Uh, we tend to forget how good Devin Gardner was uh, at times, especially in 2013. Um, but it has been a minute. Uh, I mean, Rudock, he had a few very good games at the end of that season. He had a, a really, really rough start to that season, including three interceptions in the opening game against Utah um, that pretty much flipped that game result. Uh, Wilton Spate, um Never topped eight yards an attempt uh, and didn't really come that close. Uh, Shea Patterson scraped there, but uh, I don't think we have to um, bring up his um, struggles to, to be consistent. And uh, let's just say uh, last season, nobody uh, nobody really did it. Yeah, I, I want to – can I jump in with one thing here, Ace? Sorry. Yeah, of course. Um, so and I think that's something that we can't mention enough. Like the turnover thing got mentioned ad nauseum until he finally did throw a pick, which is almost a relief because <laughs> now we don't have to say no no turnovers. But you mentioned Devin Gardner. Uh, I think the the poor damn Devin Gardner of myth. Uh, other key thing besides him throwing more picks than than Cade, like Cade McNamara doesn't take sacks, which is yeah. actually huge. And a lot of that's the offensive line and the, and, and the offense being well-designed and well-called overall. But... I mean, that's just one of those little things that quarterbacks do that add up tremendously, and um, that's huge. For a guy who is almost unfathomably slow in the open field, Cade McNamara is very slippery in the pocket. Um, also, to your point about the uh, offensive line and their part in that, uh, Michigan is second in the country in sack rate allowed. They've given up two sacks all season. That is uh, uh, in 08 percent sack rate which is just absurd um the o-line has also been pretty good at uh preventing tackles for loss they are 24th in stuff rate um which is preventing runs from getting stopped at the line of scrimmage or behind it um so i mean they're not perfect they're they're not always um delivering plays cleanly to the second level but um the running backs have are able to make up for that and uh they have really done a good job of keeping the quarterbacks clean enough where if somebody's getting through, it tends to be one guy and quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, McNamara can escape one guy. We've seen it a number of times now. Yeah. And I wanted to say that that's something that, you know, I mean, you, you did say that he's slippery in the pocket, but think about like it. I felt like in 2019, the, 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 the offensive line was almost like un, unbelievably good at picking up blitzes and they were almost always perfect. And Shea Patterson still, like, created sacks for himself somehow. <laughs> and that's, like, the most frustrating thing to, to watch as a football fan is, like, a quarterback either running out of a clean pocket or just running into, like, the one guy that gets a little bit of penetration. And Cade McNamara consistently makes the most out of his pockets and makes this offensive line look better. And that's another thing that I think, you know, we shouldn't take for granted. So, again, all this to say that I, I'm not, like, trying to say, hey, you, you got you to gotta just accept Cade and, like, don't ever ask for anything better but just appreciate you know what you've got in them yeah this isn't an elite passing offense but this is a pretty good one and uh particularly in conjunction with uh 
the rushing offense that Michigan has put together, it, it's working quite well, and it has allowed Michigan to reach 6-0. and Obviously, the defense has played a big part in that, but um, I don't think you can take away too much credit uh, from the offense. Um, Michigan was without, uh, obviously, Ronnie Bell, but also um, Roman Wilson in this game. Uh, Wilson, there had been some rumors going around that he might have a season-ending injury. That is uh, apparently not the case, but he was not able to go in this one. Um, I think it's a wrist thing of some sort. Um, without him, there were, I mean, I think a couple moments where Dalen Baldwin could have helped uh, McNamara out a little bit more. Um, wasn't the cleanest game from the receivers, but you did have that gorgeous diving catch from Mike Sandra still, um, and a very nice performance out of the tight ends who were, um, getting schemed open some, some pretty open space, uh, thanks to Michigan seemingly, uh, figuring something out in the way Nebraska was approaching, uh, their third down blitzes. Um, but I mean, room for improvement for the receivers, but uh, I didn't necessarily think this was as bad a performance, I think, the second time through as uh, I might have thought live. Yeah, I think the big, I felt that it was more of a Dalen Baldwin thing. Um, he made a couple plays. So, like, receivers is a make-play position, and um, and he made some plays, and they probably don't, you know, win the game without him. But he also dropped uh, what probably should have been a, a touchdown, Um on I think one of the first drives in, in the red zone for Michigan, um, he felt like he just he just dropped a couple of balls, um, and you know I think he's still getting used to like this level of competition, and he does have another year, year of eligibility, so hopefully he you know figures it out at some point this year and decides to use it because I do think he's like a specimen and like he's um uh he's 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 a very good athlete um and he's tall and he's you know he's 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 a prototypical outside receiver so. Um, but yeah, I thought the receivers overall, um, I do want to shout out, uh, Mike Sainer still, um, just because I feel like he, he has just kind of been like the third fiddle for what feels like forever in this offense. And, um, it's good to see him. I feel like he's looked a lot more explosive this year. Um, he, he really looked fast running down the field and he made a great, great catch on what was, uh, what probably should have been a walk-in touchdown. So, um, but other than that, yeah, I agree. The receivers, other than Cornelius Johnson, who continues to impress and I feel like, um, maybe in a different offense, probably puts up a lot better numbers. But he's, he, he I mean, he's been great this year, and I, I think his, he, he was kind of like had the, the, the recruiting profile of just like you know big, uh, jumpy um, outside receiver. But he's really fast. Um, he's really a, a twitchy athlete, and um, I, uh, I, I, I've been impressed by him a lot this year, even even more than I kind of thought I would be. So, um, but you know, the, the sooner they can get Roman Wilson back. Um, the better because the receiver core do, is starting to get a little bit thin. Yeah, I don't want to. Um, I don't want people to take this the wrong way, uh, but uh, I, I believe he had this offer, so I don't think this is out of line. Uh, Cornelius Johnson reminds me of an Alabama receiver in terms of his build and skill set, and because um, they they just seem to have these like enormous, fast um, jump ball artisans who are also pretty precise on routes and uh, reliable and can block and uh, Johnson seems to be this this well-rounded player who is also just tough to handle from a, a physical perspective and that that just to me has been pretty much everyone that Alabama has churned off of their uh, receiver core lately except maybe Henry Ruggs and Devonta Smith who were also pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and I, he's also got really, really strong hands. He catches the ball out, and he'll, like, get tackled and hold the ball in his hands, you know? Like, 
I don't know if you know what I mean, but it, mm-hmm. it, he just really like he's kind of got those Allen Robinson hands. Is the other guy that reminds me of that because I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like I, I look. I, I watch a, way too much Bears football because it's what's on on Sunday. Um, no, and, you're uh, a Penn State sleeper <laughs> agent. We know this. <laughs> oh, I was at that game. That look, I went to that game for my 18th birthday um, with all of my Penn State friends, which I is was a, working a, that game. Yeah. It's, How uh, many of your birthdays have been one. ruined by Michigan football? <laughs> Literally all of I mean, yeah, no, that one. And then, yeah, I mean, we could go, we could talk, we can do a Dan's birthday uh, segment, um, you know, at a different, a different time. On During your birthday week to ruin um, it. But, <laughs> but what I was going to say is uh, Alan Robinson's always catching those like contested balls because uh, the Bears offense sucks and he's always catching in traffic. And it just feels like he just catches it and like you you expect other receivers to drop the ball through contact and he doesn't. I feel like Cornelius Johnson's got that same thing. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to be a star. Um, and I hope that he sticks around long enough at Michigan to, you know, get the, the, the amount of targets that I think, you know, he deserves. So the volume in general in the passing offense might be the obstacle there, but I imagine that uh, eventually we're going to see them open it up a little bit. I mean, they, you know, Michigan did throw the ball 38 times in this game, so it's not like they weren't putting the ball in the air. Oh, sorry, 39 because McCarthy had one. Um, on the defensive side, uh, we did see our first pretty ugly bust of the year that at least uh, resulted in an opposing big play. Um, Nebraska gets a 46-yard uh, touchdown pass on a, on a throwback. Um, they have some screens and other uh, well-designed plays that, you know, caught some Michigan players out of position, others where you needed um, some pretty impressive plays to hold things down, uh, most notably on the uh, second-to-last defensive play of the game for Michigan. Jamon Green came up and made a spectacular tackle in space uh, on – a, on Nebraska's running back on a little slip screen that was well set up. And if he does not make that tackle, um, I, I think Nebraska picks up the third first down there and they're, they're driving into Michigan territory. So um, that was uh that was a huge play. Um, and yeah, I think that, um I think that a lot of the things that, first of all, Michigan did a great job in the first half holding mm-hmm. down Nebraska's offense. Um, I think they were ready for a couple of things Nebraska threw out there. Um, I it's kind of ties into another point I put on the on the show notes here. But uh, if and when Scott Frost gets fired from Nebraska, um, I would like uh, him to be our offensive coordinator. Um, I just feel like there are. I, I'm not. I'm not serious about that. Really, but I'm, I, I kind I'm of trying like, to I imagine kind of Harbaugh and Frost working. Together. No, it would not work. <laughs> if he could just be in charge of like drawing up plays, because it just feels like every game I see one or two plays from Nebraska where I'm like, oh, there's just no way they were going to cover that. Like, it's just not like that was just the perfect call at that time. It, it's just like so, you know, um, unorthodox or whatever. Like, it just looks like their entire offense is drawn up on the back of a on a napkin, you know, um, whereas some coaches have like one or two specialty plays every game. Like he feels like he's got an entire offense of them. Um, and I, I just think like, look, they have a lot, they, Nebraska's got a lot of like discipline issues and, and the little things they don't do as well, but they really do have a creative offense. And I felt like, um, a couple of those like throwbacks and like the reverse orbit motion, I'm just like, you know what? Hey, he got us there. Like I did not, I wasn't even really mad at the, at those like being bust. It was just like, they, they were never going to cover that. Like given the, the defensive call, you know, Scott, Scott really got them. Um, so, uh, you know. I, I don't think I'm not even just saying this as an excuse like I don't think Michigan's going to play 
an offense like that the rest of the year. Now, Ohio State's offense is better than Nebraska's. Don't get me wrong. But it's <laughs> but it is not oh much better, yeah. But is for Nebraska might be the second best offense they play and it's the only offense that's going to be that's that some confusing. disrespect right there, Dan. I don't know, man. To <laughs> it's Nebraska's look Nebraska's offense is all right. Well, look at the very least, it is. It and is with the probability most said Nebraska offense. should have beat Michigan State. So yes, yeah. <laughs> um, so Dan's on the record is saying most... that Nebraska is better than Michigan State. I want everyone at RCMB to know that. A, a, a more sound, better coach team. Just yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all, all that. <laughs> but anyway, stuff. it's it's uh, they're not going to play another offense like that this year. The rest of the offenses they play, while there are some good ones, um, you know. Penn State runs a pretty standard like college spread. Ohio State runs an NFL passing offense, um, which is you know terrifying, and it's probably gonna put up like at least forty points. But it's not the same type of offense. And Michigan State runs a pretty standard like pro st- like running uh, slash deep ball offense with you know not too much of that like in crazy confusing quarterback run stuff big, uh, mixed in. So they're they're pretty um, uh, big play reliant right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, anyway, it's uh, it's. I just wanted to take tip my hat to Scott Frost, um, even though he's a one loser. <laughs> and and, and uh, I mean to build on that point a little bit, I, I you, we're not going to confuse Adrian Martinez with like a you know a first round NFL quarterback prospect or anything, but that dude can really run the ball. He has put up uh, a lot of hundred yard rushing games in his career, and for Michigan to only get got on a couple uh scrambles where he really breaks contained and does damage with his legs and is not too much of a factor in in the run game uh really at all i mean it, it was basically just a couple scrambles um i i mean when you have to scheme to keep in mind that the opposing quarterback is mobile like that and still be able to keep most everything in front of you outside of um you know, when they kind of catch you with a, a little bit of trickery. Um, I, I thought this was a, a pretty strong defensive performance. And I think a lot of that really started um, in the back end uh, with, if you want to include Dax Hill in this, the three safeties. Um, obviously, Brad Hawkins had a, a couple massive plays because he uh, stretches out a, a Martinez option um, and uh, gets a fourth down stop in the first quarter. Um, and then obviously rips the ball away from him uh, to give Michigan the opportunity to win the game. And Dax Hill had an obscene uh, double tap interception. That was just absurd. Um, R.J. Bowden helped secure that interception, and also uh, and he was the deep safety, and I didn't really notice him much, so I consider that a win. Um, he only had three tackles. One of them was an assist. Um, I didn't notice any major bust from him live. Uh, so, I mean, and he was kind of the, the young unknown coming in uh, of that trio. And I thought they had a phenomenal game collectively. Yeah. So while we're still talking about the defense, um, and I want to get to a, a major positive part. I, I want to talk about the, the interior defensive line and light up that Don Brown pack real quick. Um, but before <laughs> I get to that, um, <laughs> I do want to say that I think this game sort of did showcase um, the biggest weakness of this defense, which is that the linebackers are probably Josh Ross makes some plays. Um, and Junior Colson certainly, you know, looks the part. And, you know, Nikai Hill-Green also makes some plays and is generally pretty a good tackler. But 
they're not like all the way there yet. Um, it feels like there's a lot more, a lot more they have to learn in this in this defense. Um, and look, this is a really tough offense to go up against because you're kind of just it's an offense entirely designed about around putting linebackers in a bind. But uh, they definitely had our our linebackers chasing their tails a little bit for most of the second half. So. Um, you know, it's, I think that there's, look, it's just, it's not going to be like one of those, I don't think it's an elite Michigan defense, but I think it's, it's a lot better than we thought coming into the season. And, um, I, I, I think that, you know, that's, you have to be happy with that given, um, everything, everything that we like kind of heard and expected in the off season. Yeah. I, I don't like disagree that, um, the, the linebackers were certainly the weak part in this game and outside of Josh Ross, they're very young. Um, you know, it's mostly Nikai Hill Green and Junior Colson who are, you know, both have freshman eligibility. I, I will say though, like just the way that, that, that a lot of that played out, like, I don't think Michigan's, you, you don't face many offenses that are going to move laterally. <laughs> like the play is going to move laterally and you as a linebacker are going to have to move with it and then make the exact right decision with the right timing about, uh, what you're doing in coverage versus, you know, attacking the ball carrier. Um, like that, that I will say, like I was really impressed with like some of those plays that Raska drew up, like you said, all of which is just to say that I agree. The linebackers got, got several times. Um, most of Nebraska's big plays were because our linebackers got, got, but I'm not totally convinced that that's like a, haven't learned the defense problem or like a, even a, they're not good problem so much. as just like, that is a very strange like set of circumstances to prepare for as a football player. And it's not even like army because like it's, <laughs> It's an offense that's going to literally move itself laterally and give itself the option to pass in weird ways till the very last second. And um, anyway, like you're not wrong. I I would I would contend that the that the biggest weakness on the defense might still be the corners, even though they've done a good job concealing that. Just because Nebraska doesn't have great downfield receivers or a great downfield throwing quarterback, but we're we're being I think way too negative given that um, I think things are going pretty well. So yeah, Nebraska's had success throwing the ball downfield this year other than that hideous opener against Illinois. Uh, Martinez has actually been pretty good. And the fact that we don't really know about the corners this far into the season uh, is, I would say, a big improvement over where things were after six games last year because that was the whole year. Um, And we were pretty sure about what they were. Um, But, I mean, I think uh, Javon Green's good. Like, I I, I think we can safely say that he's at least decent right now. the other corner spot, I mean, Turner and Gray still have their shaky moments in coverage, but it does seem like the defense at least puts them in a much better position to tamp things down. And having Dax Hill there to uh, shadow slot receivers, uh, especially given who Michigan is going to face this year, um, hopefully he'll be able to kind of shadow Jahan Dotson a little bit. Um, we'll see what he does against Ohio State, but um, I. I'm certainly optimistic that this defense is uh, putting them in a much better position than those guys were put in last year. And to continue uh, following this line of thinking with a different position group, Dan, just go ahead and talk about the defensive line. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just want to point out that, like, I think I said earlier in the season um, in a, when we were talking about, like, hey, what's the bear and bull case for each game? Um, And I think I actually... Uh, did like when I did a Q&A with um, Bucky's fifth quarter with friend of the pod um, uh, Drew Ham um, was that 
<clears throat> if there was a way that Michigan was going to beat Wisconsin or just generally be good, it was specifically in the context of Wisconsin, but just generally be good at defense, it was going to be because they had big guys now and they were willing to play more big guys up front and be better against the run. And it turned out that was literally all it took. I mean, like, I, I got to say it's a little bit frustrating to find out that <laughs> you can just play you can just play big interior defensive linemen. You don't and and they're figuring it out. Like I can't imagine that Mozzie Smith and um Chris Hinton and Donovan Jeter if given more snaps um wouldn't have eventually developed into like serviceable defensive tackles. And, and maybe I'm just being a little bit um a little bit harsh on Don Brown here, but it's it's just, I mean, I don't know. It's, 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 I'm very happy about it for this year. Um, and I'm, I'm happy that, you know, like we're developing what seems like a, at least against the run, a pretty good interior defensive line. And I think there's some pass, pass rush upside that's yet to be, um, explored. And, you know, they'll, they'll continue to develop, to develop there. Um, but like it's, they've, they've been very good. Um, they were good. They've now been good against two, uh, two pretty good ground attacks. Um, you know, I think the numbers for Nebraska don't look as good because I think there were a couple of big runs, but you know, they 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 tamped them down pretty well. I, I didn't really feel like uh, Nebraska was consistently, you know, um, getting what they wanted on the ground, and and certainly Wisconsin wasn't. So, yeah, I mean, like it's it's uh it's been good to see that for this year, but it is just like you know, I, I saw that um, per PFF, uh, Michigan is like the first or second ranked in terms of um you know graded uh defensive line play and number one it's yeah. just number yeah number one right right up with georgia and, and you know don't don't i don't always trust pff but it's just like where was this the past you know like it, I, I can't these guys didn't come out of nowhere it, it could have been decent the past couple of years we just decided that like you know carlo kemp was going to be our nose tackle because he, <laughs> he he knew he knew all of the get like he knew the defense like you know i was front waiting back, for that to which, come up you know it's yeah I, whatever which again carlo kemp i would love carlo kemp for me to be on this team i think he'd be a great addition i i no disrespect no smoke <laughs> as a defensive end he would be good <laughs> yeah, i think like end. i i think that i really want to give a shout out to sean Nua though because like, it would be easy if he were the new coach. We were like, wow, Sean knew it turned this whole thing around. It's actually his third year, which is exactly why it's frustrating, right? Because, like, clearly Sean knew it can coach. And I say that because it's not as if Michigan is just, like, rolling the ball out there for these guys. We've seen Mozzie Smith and Hinton get better seemingly every game, and they're now defeating blocks, um, you know, with great skill. Getting to the quarterback, I mean, Mozzie almost forced what would have been a huge turnover. Uh, it turned mm-hmm. out to be called a forward pass. Uh, we've seen Hinton get off some blocks at key moments and make plays this year. Um, those guys are looking pretty fearsome. Also, the young guys, right? Like Mike Morris, who's kind of a hybrid edge slash DT um, and looks like a potential future star. Chris Jenkins, like same thing. Those like Chris Jenkins will probably put on like 25, 30 pounds in the offseason and potentially be, yeah, terrifying. They've even, I mean, they've even gotten decent snaps out of Jess Spate who I said for everyone to ignore in the preseason. <laughs> so I got to take that one back. And so I don't think you get there uh, where you have young guys emerging and you're getting, you're getting the most out of your upperclassmen. I don't think you get there without a great position coach. So I think we can clearly say Don Brown is holding Sean Nua back. Um, it's hard to say exactly what that means because you're not, you're not in practice. You're not seeing it. But th- that's the conclusion I'm forced to reach because this is not just a talented group. They're also a well-coached group. They're a group that gets better every week. And if those older guys come back next year, if, if Hinton and Smith are both back, and I think they probably will be, or at least one of them probably will be, 
this could be a really good group next year, which is a huge, huge turnaround um, for this defense. So, I'd say it means to uh, fade Arizona for the rest of the year, but I think everyone's already <laughs> caught on to that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I do want to say uh, we don't have to go in detail on this, but I looked at uh, you can you can check out uh, my tweet that I posted I think uh, earlier this week about um, it, a combination of the fact that Michigan took a really big twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one class um, and like how the just how like the roster broke down and with the extra year of COVID eligibility, Michigan has like a crazy amount of depth for the for like the next couple of years. Um, and I'm sure they're going to lose a couple guys to the transfer portal just for like playing time purposes. But it's 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 crazy how quickly this is turned from like the we, we like we were basically lamenting just like, man, this is really going to be the downfall of this team as you know, the, the interior defensive line uh, in the season preview. And now all of a sudden it feels like we could we could be good for the next, you know, several years, <laughs> which is it's just um, yeah, no, uh, it's 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 a. One of the biggest pleasant surprises I remember having as a Michigan fan, like in terms of preseason to uh, actual season. Hey, some of us are going to do a little touchdown dance for saying that the defensive line might actually be okay this year. But uh, yeah, (laughs) maybe two of us will, in fact. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. This podcast had some optimism. Um, Before we get to uh, our picks, um, AJ Henning, Fumble on a punt return. Please don't do that again. That was a little bit of an adventure. That's probably why he was not um, the starter from the beginning of the season, I would guess. Um, but um, this is college football. That 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 stuff happens, and I'm glad they jumped back on it. Yeah, I, I do want to say, like, I would just tell A.J. Henning. It felt like he was getting surprised by how far Nebraska's punter was kicking it, which is fair because I think they were supposed he was supposed to be bad, and it turns out he was pretty good, I guess. There was also um, apparently a pretty healthy wind in that game. Yeah. So, so you know, all understandable. I just, like, there's something that I just get the heebie-jeebies when a punter starts, like, running backwards. A punt returner starts running backwards to try to field it. My, like, rule as a coach would be, I would I would rather you like start back and come up to it kind of like an outfielder than go back on the ball. Like if you have to if you have to run backwards to field a punt, just let it go. Like yeah, I don't, you don't want to have to readjust. Yeah. Exactly, because it's like that's such a hard catch to make. Just just let it go. I don't even care if it lands at the five. Like I would rather you do that than like try to you know it just oh god that that gives me so, as soon as I saw him go back, I'm like no god no. <laughs> so yeah yeah it was. You could see the disaster coming, and thankfully, uh, Michigan narrowly averted it. Um, let's see. Uh, I believe Dan wrote in the third person. Dan wants Scott Frost as our OC. I'm serious. Uh, I already t- already already covered that. I do. Uh, yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be a great Alabama offensive coordinator. <laughs> he's gonna have to work his way from analyst, but you know it'll be interesting. Um, taunting is good. We're we're not gonna have to cover that further. Uh, Dax Hill definitely do. That was a post. Uh, play flag and therefore did not impact the play football players know this stuff but be honest where you were a little bit nerd like you were a little bit nervous no not like, at all because as they were i wasn't i, I was I, no i i know the rule i was, I was like hell like, yeah okay but first of all <laughs> think about the refs that we were dealing with in this game okay they could have easily screwed that up <laughs> like, okay I, but i was like I know, i've I'm seen joking, enough I'm football joking. to know that that's the rule and therefore like my instant reaction like I would have lost my mind if the officials had then <laughs> screwed up the call. But right, uh, for sure. no, I, I I had a lot of fun when when he just 
it, it's kind of uh, funny. Let let Torre can... know who made that play. <laughs> it, it's kind of funny that like you you you're not allowed to taunt at all unless it's fourth down and you can just go buck wild and do whatever you want. Um, which I is mean, it would have set s- the offense back, but, you know, it was... Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> it's kind of like my second favorite rule in football where if you tip the punt, you're allowed to just, like, completely, <laughs> bl- like, blow away the punter. Like, there's no... All bets are off if you get one finger on the punt. So, anyway, funny rules in football sometimes. Yeah, um, very small things can have some very big effects. Um, there is a big picture thing that I think Connor brought up, which is... Uh, when has Michigan gone on the road and hung 30 on two consecutive good defenses? And we're calling Nebraska a good defense, and we're going to uh, stand by it for now because they've actually looked pretty solid against other teams, especially against the run. And Michigan managed to move the ball against them on the ground. And, yeah, um, I think this was mostly like a can we stop complaining about the offense when it's actually going well uh, prompt, and uh, I like that it was there. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to be said here. It's big for itself. I think the point is just, like, we can, and as analysts, we should get into the weeds about things that we think could be better, et cetera, et cetera. But this is what good college football offense looks like. Um, This is what the good playoff contending teams do. They go on the road. They score more than 30 points against quality opponents. And they win even when it's tough. Um, It's really tough to complain about this offense because even though it sometimes doesn't feel high-octane, it's been very efficient. Its biggest flaw has been that it ends. It's, it mostly scores and sometimes takes field goals. But anyway, I mean, it's a good offense. It just is, and people need to accept that. <laughs> yeah, there's no way to fact check this, but I would wager that, like, depending on our definition of good, Michigan has probably never in the history of their program scored 30 points. Whoa! In back, in back to no, 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 in back to back weeks on the road. If you really think about it. For the majority of Michigan football's history, 30 points was like an unspeakable devil number to score on offense. And so I would say that like that's probably one of the first times that they've scored 30, 30 points back-to-back on the road in against two like defenses with a pulse. If you really yeah. think about like, you know, how rare that is. I'm trying to scroll through as quickly as possible and uh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Well, it certainly wasn't 2017. <laughs> I mean, this that's is what like, I'm saying. But and then once you go back before yeah. 1990, it's like it's like they never scored more than 30 ever. Yeah. Like, and, and well, in, so, unless you go back to like 1923, and they're scoring like 83 points <laughs> against like an, a, a welding shop, you know, like so. That's, that, <laughs> so you know, I mean, right. I, I was going to say Iowa pre-flight, but Iowa pre-flight was actually good. Yeah, no. Nebraska Balloon School. It was Omaha Balloon School. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think they're on there somewhere. Right, exactly. So I, I rest my case. Uh, yeah, I've, I've gone back as far as I want to look, and Michigan has not come close to putting 30 points on uh, good teams on the road in back-to-back games. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that's a good place to, to rest our discussion of where Michigan's at for right now and dig into this week's picks um, which includes a, a, picking a sickos game this week should have been hard, but wasn't because of uh, what we're going to finish with here. Um, last week, all of us went two, two and one uh, with the Michigan game being the one that we all uh, hit right on the number, unfortunately um, with a draw there, um, except for Alex who went one, three and one uh, because Alex believed in uh, the over in Wisconsin, Illinois. And that uh, was ultimately a pretty tragic pick because um, Illinois scored no points. Uh, let's not about talk about who took Illinois in that game. 
Um, I finished two, two, two and one. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, first up on the docket this week, um, uh, the very familiar now uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers are favored now by four at Minnesota. Um, the total for this game is 48. Uh, Alex has put in picks, so I'll read them off for you. He picks Nebraska in this one. I also have the Huskers. Um, I bet this one, it was uh, Nebraska minus two. Um, getting in on lines early is uh, often quite helpful. Um, and actually, uh, this scares me. We have a clean sweep on this one. We've all got the Huskers. Um, I assume this is because we've also watched Minnesota play and uh, baby play against Bowling Green and uh, therefore do not believe in the Gophers in any way whatsoever. Um, does anyone have anything further to add to this one, or do we just want to move on from the kind of gross game here? But I'm surprised this opened so close. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Nebraska's a good team that, yeah, I mean, they've got, they've got a, they were going to probably take their, their frustration out on someone. And this feels like a perfect opportunity. So I, I, uh, this feels too easy, which means I'm probably wrong, but um, I'm going with Nebraska. Yeah, that is the case for the first three games here because we have, uh, had a, we unanimously, unanimously picked uh, the first three games the same, which uh, worries me. Yeah, I mean, just briefly about Nebraska, I will say that every game for them here on out is a must-win if they want to go to a bowl. So they're going to throw all that Scott Frost junk at Minnesota's defense, and I promise you they will score on Minnesota. Yeah, if Bowling Green can score on Minnesota, then Nebraska will too. Um, next up, Rutgers now favored by two at Northwestern. Uh, over under for this uh, lofty 44 and a half. Uh, <laughs> I might be eyeing the under in that one, but um, I would, I would, I, I bet this when it opened as a pick because it shocked me that this was a pick uh, Northwestern needs to be um, getting some points against every other big 10 team right now. I think except maybe Illinois uh, Northwestern is terrible. Uh, Rutgers at least can hang in there uh, somewhat. Um, and yeah, I, I, I believe in Rutgers, uh, which is a scary thing to say, but feels better um, since I got it as a pick Um Alex also picks Rutgers. Uh, anyone else uh, have strong opinions on, on Rutgers, Northwestern? You both pick Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, Northwestern just doesn't have a pulse. Um, and Rutgers feels like I, they're, they're not as good as I think we maybe even thought they were after we played them. Um, but they Probably do not. have a pulse, and uh, they can move the ball a little and Northwestern is just woof man uh that's that's a rough team that's one of the worst big 10 one of the worst like non Rutgers big 10 teams I've seen in a bit so um yeah Rutgers yeah I mean it's one thing for Northwestern to have a terrible offense but they also have a terrible run defense and that and that is uh, a really really bad combination uh especially in the big 10 uh Michigan State favored by five at Indiana uh over under for this 48 and a half Michigan State is good. Indiana is not. Uh, I'm going with Michigan State because, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I just don't I don't think Indiana's got a solution at, at quarterback, uh, even if they, uh, I mean, are kind of forced to move on from Michael Penix because of more injuries because that guy can never stay healthy. Um, Alex also picked MSU. Um, Connor, I think you were the one who was uh, closest to maybe picking Indiana here. I, yeah, not I really. Mean, <laughs> it's not. It's not enough. It's not enough points. I mean, like it just. I don't know. Um, I I would love to see a Hoosier upset, and I'm actually not ruling it out because I think Indiana is not probably not quite as bad 
as they've seemed, and they are still a veteran team with pretty good coaching, aside from Nick Sheridan, which is the whole problem. Mm. Uh, but I, gosh, I hate to say it. I think Michigan State is pretty good, and I hate saying that, but here we are. Here we are. I I think Vegas is just weirdly slow on the pickup with Michigan State, um, which I guess is a little bit understandable early in the season, but... I mean, I don't know. Indiana's looked totally impotent on offense, um, and they still have a decent defense, but Michigan State's offense seems pretty big play reliant, but pretty also pretty good at getting big plays. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm finally going to buy in on Michigan State here and say they're going to cover. Um, you know, hopefully we can, since we're all picking them, we can we can jinx them this week. And uh, it would be pretty funny for them to, you know, blow their the, the undefeated matchup uh, in a couple weeks. We, we should all go on with the MSU money line and play the super safe. Um Purdue is plus 11.5 at Iowa, over-under on this one, 44, not the ugliest total. Um, I am somewhat reluctantly picking Purdue. I actually bet this one. Um, I am going to continue fading Iowa's offense until I die destitute. Um, It's just... uh, it's kind of unbelievable (laughs) how many breaks they keep having. Uh, I mean, in this one... um, Penn State was beating them. Sean Clipper gets hurt. Penn State inserts a quarterback who uh, apparently does not know how to do a silent count. So Iowa could time every snap at Kinnick. And that went real, real poorly for Penn State. I don't think they picked up a first down, uh, at least not at all of the important part of the game, uh, once, uh, once Sean Clifford was out. Um, they have something like a plus 14 turnover margin. Uh, and I mean, Purdue is bad, but I just think Iowa plays so slow and Purdue can hopefully draw up a couple interesting plays, even though the, the shine has definitely come off Jeff Brom, Brom a little bit uh, the last year or so. Um, but I just, I mean, especially coming off of such a, like a tough emotional game, uh, getting up as high in the rankings as they are, um, I, I could see a letdown for Iowa and and Purdue. I by no means expect Purdue to win, but I, I, I think a cover isn't unreasonable. Alex has picked Iowa. Dan, <laughs> um, go ahead. You, you've also got feelings. Yeah, this is my this is my um, now weekly. Uh, you know, making sure my girlfriend doesn't break up with me picking Purdue uh, to cover <laughs> pick. Um, but. Uh, it's and by the way, she she is advised against it. She's like, do not pick Purdue again. They're not like <laughs> she's I, gonna I break up with you because you've lost all your money trying to keep her happy. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, no, I look. I mean, I do want. I do want to give a little bit of credit to Iowa. Like their defense is legitimately good. You know, they make enough plays, whatever. But I, I'm so sick of like this team is not the like second best team in the country. Um, that is ridiculous. They were going to lose to Penn State probably pretty handily. Um, and uh, I, I just, yeah, I mean, I could see... Spencer Petrus is bad. Yeah. The, 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 their defense is good, and they're, they're good at creating interceptions, but they're not going to continue to have this many interceptions. And I could, what I could see is I could see them winning, by, winning this game, like, relatively comfortably by 10, in which case Purdue would cover. Um, and I could also see, you know, them just, like, bogging down. I, I think Purdue is, like, 
competent. They're not. They're not good, but they're they're not like a. Uh, they're not Illinois or Northwestern. So yeah, I could see this game bogging down and Purdue covers. And um, yeah, I'm going. With, I'm going with Purdue to cover mostly because I'm just so sick of Iowa this year. I, I can't believe we're going to be forced to like pretend this team is good for probably like four more weeks. Yeah, I feel like there's a little bit of spike going into both of our picks here, but I'm okay with it, uh, Connor. Uh, you may remember some uh, events past and therefore have a different take. Ha! You anticipated my take, Ace, which is you two are sinners who need to repent because you need to learn to fear <laughs> Kinnick. You must fear the Kinnick blackout. Um, Michigan has to go to Kinnick next year. So I'm I, I, a year out from that game. I am uh, showing some respect to the to Iowa's home field advantage here. You and... were reverse jinxing far too much in advance, sir. But I, <laughs> I mean, I just I've seen I've seen Kinnick work out for these guys, man. There was some there was some dark magics in the air in that Penn State game, and they got what they wanted. So and I think Purdue is bad. Like I don't have to do what Dan's doing. I'm not dating a Purdue graduate. I respect him for doing it, <laughs> but like I'm not going to mince words. Purdue sucks. So I think at home, Iowa, like the thing with Iowa, I would say is their offense is uninspired and not that talented outside of outside of Goodson. And I'm sure they have like three NFL tight ends as usual. But I, I do think they, they do some interesting man ball play designs that uh, Jim Harbaugh probably loves to watch. Um, and they're not that bad on offense, even though Petrus is that classic, like giant statue in a pocket Iowa quarterback. So anyway, I think Iowa will win this one handily. I'm expecting Kirk Ferentz to sit on a three-point lead for most of the game. Uh, This last one is so hideous. I can't believe it's on the schedule. And even worse, I can't believe it is a primetime game on BTN. Uh, Army plus 14 at Wisconsin. The over-under for this one is 39. Um, I uh, took a peek at Bill Connolly's SP+. Uh, before placing some bets this week, and this is a pure SB plus pick for me. Um, Connolly has this one as a pretty clear Wisconsin and over pick, so I am gritting my teeth, believing in math, and trying to ignore everything I've seen of Wisconsin's offense this year because I think they'll be able to move it on Army, and uh, this is just you know this isn't a particularly good Army team, and um, Hopefully the game will not be uh, condensed too much to the point where uh, they can't uh, combine to score 39 points. Um, But I do expect Wisconsin to cover in large part because uh, while um, the option offense is uh, not very fun to defend, I I like Wisconsin's chances of doing it given they are extremely disciplined and extremely good at going sideline to sideline against the run. It just seems like a bad matchup for Army. Alex has chosen the sicko under, which is, uh, oh boy, God. wow. Uh, um, I wish he was here to explain it. Um, Dan, I'll, I'll give you first crack at this one. You've got a different take on it. Yeah. So Wisconsin's very good against the run, but like army is not like a run offense. It, the triple option is a whole different thing. And I cannot believe Wisconsin, uh, scheduled this game. Like just don't it's, do it. It's, it's a bad time. It's so bad. And, um, I think I think this 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 game is gonna like be first of all it's it's probably a noon game it's or no it's in prime time no it's in prime time this is sick god this is like viscerally (laughs) disgusting um but uh it's it's gonna last like five minutes there's gonna be like probably eight possessions the whole game um 
And, uh, you know, I think Army will probably just, like, stuff the box and um, and try to, like, make uh, make merch throw it. And that'll work to, a, like, varying degrees. But, I, like, I think Wisconsin's easily the better team here. But I could just see Army covering because this game has, like, no – just no possessions. Um, and, you know, they, they'll, they, they always figure out a way to score, like, you know – 10 to 14 points regardless of how good a defense is just by the fact that like they run something that you never see anymore and it's infuriating to deal with and they go for every fourth down so yeah this is going to be wisconsin wins pretty handily but um but does not cover all right connor uh you're the swing boat here yeah i mean i think dan said it quite well here which is i think 14 points is a lot for this Wisconsin team and Ace can relate to that because he picked Illinois to cover I think was a 10 point spread <laughs> um, which like you know in fairness I picked Wisconsin and I was right I thought Wisconsin would be so angry at a terrible team that they would destroy them and they did I don't think Army is terrible uh, I think they're better than Illinois and they are ungodly annoying to play even when they are terrible and to echo Dan's point I don't know like seriously whoever made this schedule for Wisconsin they need to fire their AD just because of the football schedule you can't schedule like somehow Notre Dame Penn State and Michigan in your first four games and also have Army that is ridiculous I I just cannot believe this um so all that's to say I do think Army will be able to move the ball some and I think Mertz will have to throw it and I think Graham Mertz, uh, just, he still sucks. I don't care if he made two nice throws against us. <laughs> well, at least it'll be like a tight two hours on that game, and we'll be in bed by 1030. Um, that's it for this week. Uh, sorry again for the uh, one-day delay. Um, we appreciate you bearing with us. Uh, please follow at Bucket Problem on Twitter. Go to, to thebucketproblem.com and subscribe to the newsletter and the bonus podcast. I will be doing a solo mailbag uh, sometime within the next uh, few days. It might be over the weekend. It might be later this week. I am not sure yet. Uh, I'll see how this uh, steroid taper goes. Fun stuff. Um, please rate, review uh, the podcast uh, on Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Use the promo code BucketProblem at homefieldapparel.com. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Have a great week.